you know, transformed my life personally. Every time I study this surah, every time I teach this surah, it's a new perspective, it's a new dimension. I've been teaching this surah for the past 10 years, and every time I teach it, there's new lessons, new gems, new reflections that come out. And subhanAllah, that's the beauty of the Quran. You can never ever say, I get it. You can never ever say, I know this surah, let's move on to the next one, right? And according to a lot of ulama, they actually said that if nothing from the Qur'an was revealed and this surah was revealed, it would have been sufficient. SubhanAllah, you know? And the challenge of the shorter surahs of the Qur'an is that they're much, much more deeper. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells so much in such few words. And that's part of the eloquence of the Qur'an. That's part of the linguistic miracle of the Qur'an is that in such short words and precise choice of words, so much is captured. So again, we don't have enough time to go over the entire surah. We're going to just reflect on some of the beautiful meanings of this uh, surah and how it applies to our life. Really, that's what we're trying to do in this, this series, is to connect. See, Quran is already connected with our lives, but we don't see the connection sometimes. And so what we're trying to do is build that connection so that it can actually help us live um, you know, a happier life, a more successful life. And, you know, ironically, this surah talks about success and failure, which is really what we're all after. Every single human being is after success. We want success for ourselves. We want success for our children. We want success for everyone we love, right? But the challenge here is that sometimes we get carried away with the definition of success according to society. And... What we're going to learn in the surah is that the majority usually aren't right. And so if we go by the definition of success based on the majority of people, then we are risking to be misled. We are risking to define success as something that it isn't what it's supposed to be according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all of us want to succeed. Yeah, hands up for those of you who want to succeed in this life and the next, right? Win, win. We all want to win in this world. We want to win in the next world. And who defines what true success means? Because, you know, like we said, societies can sometimes see success as having a nice car, a nice job, uh, a nice house, getting married to a nice, you know, wife or a nice husband, having nice kids who are successful in the worldly sense. Yes, that is part of success, but is that what all of success is? Absolutely not, right? And so we're going to learn from this surah what true success really means. What's interesting is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off this surah, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off this surah with a, with a qasam, with an oath. And he does this in multiple places in the Quran. He swears by different things, والفجر, والشمس, والنجم. Right? By the sun, by the moon, by the stars, and, and many other places in the Quran. But why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose Al-Asr in this specific surah, and what does Asr mean, and how is it connected to loss, and how is it relevant? That's what we're going to, inshallah, try to figure out today. 
So as a general layout, the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is swearing. He's taking an oath by this thing called al-asr. And then he's making a statement which is very um, shocking. He's saying all human beings, there's no doubt about it, all human beings, every single human being is in loss. And that's a, it's a pretty shocking statement to hear, right? And when Allah swears, then we better believe it. And part of swearing is also uh, grabbing attention, right? When Allah swears, that means we need to pay attention to what's being said. We need to pay attention to the jawab al-qasam, what's being sworn by, or what's the object of this oath. And so, inna al-insana lafi khusr, Allah says all human beings, or the human being, is in a state of loss, is in loss. And then there is an exception, illa alladhina amanu, so literally, if you break it down, the exception includes four things. Okay, faith. is righteous deeds, which we'll talk about later. those who encourage among each other this thing called haq. We'll talk about what haq means. And those who enjoin patience among each other. Okay? And we'll talk about what sabr actually means. So we need to break it down into, uh, you know, word by word. So the general statement is, Allah swore by time. So what's Allah swore by al-asr? What does asr mean? So there's differences of opinions. One of the meanings of asr is time. Allah swearing by time. And what's the connection between time and human beings being at loss? The reality that human beings don't really make use of their time. Bad time management. Human beings don't make the best use of time. And time, as you know, passes by very quickly. Right? We spend 27 years of our life sleeping. Seven years of our life commuting. Ten years of our life working. Time really goes by very fast. And so Allah here is... He's, giving us a clue that you want to pass, you want to succeed, make time something valuable in your life. Make use of every second, every minute, every day. Don't take time for granted. Because another meaning of this is time is, al-asr actually means the past history. And here Allah is highlighting the fact that many nations from the past, and if you look at the Quran and the stories of the Quran, many nations of the past were they in loss or were they su successful? If you look at the trend of the Qur'an, where most nations, past nations, the nation of Ad, Thamud, Nuh, Salih, all these past nations, were they in success or a failure? Failure, right? So Allah is telling us, I'm swearing by this thing called time, Al-Asr, and you and you have an example from the Qur'an that most of the Previous nations, they were in loss. So what makes you different? What makes you an exception? If most of the majority of the people of the past failed, what makes you an exception? So he's highlighting this very real fact that the majority are always going to be in a state of loss. And there's always the minority who are going to pass. That's really the common theme throughout the surah. Looking at the past nations, the nation of Nuh السلام, for example, he called on to the message of you know, believing in Allah and you know, the, the right way of life. Did the majority believe or the minority believed? Minority believed, right? What happened to the majority? Loss. 
Look at the people of Lut Did the majority believe his message or minority? Minority. Majority were in state of loss. Look at the people of Ad, Thamud, you name it. And why does Allah keep repeating these stories in the Quran? To highlight the fact that, listen, this is the trend since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of time, the majority have always been a state of loss. And it's the minority exception who are going to pass. So he's making us alert. It's like, you know, a slap in the face. Wake up. Stop following the majority. Stop following the trend. Stop following what's cool. That doesn't mean Muslims can't be cool, by the way. Don't get me wrong here, right? Of course we can be cool, inshallah. But the idea here is don't be deceived by the majority. Beware of the you know, following the crowd blindly mentality, the, you know, the herd mentality, where you're just sheep following the herd without really thinking, without really pausing and asking certain questions. So Allah swears by al-asr. Al-asr also means like asir, you know, juice. You want to drink some orange juice, you go to the you know, cafeteria and say, make me asir burtuqal. So the the... Process of squeezing the fruit, this is called lasr, asar. And then you get juice. The extract of the fruit is what's juice. And so here also we're learning that, you know, our lives, every single day of our life is part of our lifespan is being squeezed. The juice of our life is being squeezed every day, a bit, a bit, a bit. Until the day that we die, what happens? The juice finishes. And what's, what remains is just like the orange peel that's thrown away on the ground, right? Our bodies will be remain. So it's as if, you know, Allah is depicting to us this image of our, the juice coming out of our life and us coming to a close. And the other meaning of al-asr is, if you look at the different prayers of the day, right? Usually maghrib is when the next day starts. And so asr is the last prayer before the next day starting. So it's like the last lap of the day of the day, the final lap. You know, like in Formula One, the final lap is the most exciting, right? So Allah's creating this state of emergency, this state of alertness that this is the final lap. Asr is right there. You've only got a little time left. So be conscious of this fact that human beings are in a state of loss. And here Allah says, innal insana la fi khusr. Very interesting language. So the word inna actually means there is no doubt about it. Inna adat tawkid. There is no doubt about it. And then Allah didn't say anas fi khusr. He didn't say people are in loss. He said the human being, the insan is in a state of loss. And if you remember last week, what did we say about the word insan? Who remembers? Let's see if you guys were awake. So insan means, of course, forgetful, right? Uh, from nasiya. So that's another meaning of why Allah chose the word insan because Human beings forget this fact. We forget that the majority are you know, in a state of loss and the minority are those who pass. But another, another thing I said last week was whenever Allah subhanahu wa uses the word insan in the Quran, is it used in the positive or in the negative? Negative. So it's like the lowest level of humanity basically, right? Allah never praises the insan in a, in, a, in a beautiful way. Like even when he said, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمِ He created him in the best fashion. What happened? So he brings him down to the lowest of the lows. So al-insan means 
the human being. It's as if Allah is telling us to pay attention that don't think that I'm talking about some foreign group of people. No, I'm talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about you. He's pointing the finger at every single one of us that don't feel relaxed. Don't get into a comfort zone. I'm talking about you. You're at a risk of failure. This is serious stuff. Okay. And so another uh, beauty of this ayah, إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَا فِي خُسْرِ is the word or the letter لا. لا فِي خُسْرِ لا is another level of emphasis. Another level of emphasis. It's called لا مِتَّوْكِيد the lamb of emphasis. So there's no, no doubt about it. Every single one of human beings is in fact in a state of loss. And I know I'm, I'm sounding a bit tough, okay? but this is the Quran. We can't censor it. This is the language of the Quran, right? It's supposed to shake us a bit. But out of Allah's mercy, Allah didn't say all human beings are losers. He didn't say that. He said we are in loss. We are inside this thing called loss. Which means what? There is hope for us to come out of it. Right? So Allah does shake us at the beginning, but He's giving us hope. That yes, you're inside of loss, so, but whenever you're inside something, that means there is a way out. It's never too late. You can always make up for it. And here Allah chose the word khusr, which is like the um, easy or simple kind of loss, because Allah uses this word in more serious ways, like khusran uh, and mubina is like a more bigger kind of loss, a more dangerous kind of loss. Or if he, if he, had, if he had said, la khasir, he's, he's a loser, that would have been more serious. Using khusr is actually highlighting that the loss isn't that big of a deal for you to like lose hope, okay? The khusr is minor and getting out of that khusr is easy. So there is rahma, there is mercy in the word khusr because it's the light form of loss. He's in a tiny bit of loss that can easily be gotten out of. You guys understand what I'm trying to say? So it's in a way Allah's balancing this fear, this alertness, the state of emergency with hope in the word fi khusr, on the statement fi khusr. That you're in loss, you're in this tiny bit of loss and relax, you can get out of it. Just be aware, be alert, be people of thought. Don't be blind followers. And then the exception, amanu, those who believe, those who do righteous deeds, and those who do tawasi bil haq, tawasi bil sabr, we'll talk about it later. So just to, um, I was really inspired by a book written by Jeff Olson uh, named The Slight Edge. And so what, I, what you're about to see and hear now is inspired by this book which subhanAllah when I read it, it really like made sense and clicked with Surah Al-Asr. Okay, because he talks about the same concept. So he talks about the fact that you look at any form of loss and failure in life, usually the minority are the successful and he like, let's call them the 5% successful people and there's the majority failures in every aspect of life. So you look at it from the perspective of uh, our Akhirah, right? In Akhirah, what is the success of Akhirah? Jannah, right? Paradise. So are the majority of humanity going to go to paradise or the minority? Minority, right? Minority, unfortunately, although Allah has created a house in Jannah for every single human being, but the majority, this is just the fact, 
of the Quran that Allah tells us that most people will not believe. Most people, most people don't understand. Most people don't think. And you know, I once did a study about this word, most of them. And I compared all the descriptions, most of them, most of them, most of them. It was all negative. But I wanted to see what is the most serious of, you know, quality that made people become from the majority losers. Guess what it was? Most of them don't know. So it was lack of knowledge from the Quranic perspective. Lack of knowledge is the, the most common reason why people will be losers. Ignorance. Not, simply not knowing. Okay? And there's, you know, this explains why Allah told us to read from the first place, right? The first ayah to be revealed was Iqra. Why? Because when you read, when you ask, when you seek answers, when you think, then you will not be of those who are ignorant. But when you stop thinking, when you stop asking, when you stop questioning, when you stop reflecting, that's when you fall into ignorance. Okay? So, spiritually speaking, we all realize that 5%, let's say, minority are going to be successful, majority are going to be failing. You all agree to this? Yeah? Let's look at, uh, even sp like prayer-wise, do majority of People pray like five times a day. No, right? The minority are praying. Now let's look at, and the majority are not praying. They're not concerned about praying. Now even in terms of praying, praying like as a category, right? You guys know the 80-20 rule? There's always like the minority who do things right. So out of all the Muslims who pray, how many pray with khushu'ah? Is it the majority or minority? <laughs> minority, right? Out of all the people who read Quran, how many of them actually reflect and think about what they're reading and ask questions? Is it the majority or minority? Out of all the Muslims, are majority reading the Quran or not reading the Quran? Right? So you see, it's like a, this common pattern in all aspects of spirituality. Okay? But I want to also connect the surah to loss and success in the worldly sense. So in terms of relationships, are most husbands and wives in the world today happy with each other or are most of them going through problems? What do you think? Are the majority struggling? Yeah, minority who are living like Jannah on, in their homes, right? Major very few are those who actually have a, a blissful, harmonious marriage life. Okay? It's always a minority. Um, you look at parents and children. How many relationships in terms of parents and children are you know, amazing and everything is great, the connection is great and parents are happy with the kids, kids are happy with the parents. It's usually the minority, right? You hear a lot of horror stories in terms of what's going on in homes. So relationships-wise also, the minority are succeeding whereas the majority are failing. Financially also, a big part of our life. And, you know, a lot, a lot of people think that, you know what, Islam encourages us to be poor but... When you look at the Qur'an, Allah in fact tells us that the shaitan is the one who promises us poverty. So poverty is not a good thing. It's our enemy actually. And the Prophet we used to make dua that Allahumma inni a'udhu bika minal kufri wal faqr. Oh Allah, I seek protection from you from kufr, from disbelief and faqr. Because faqr is a dangerous thing. It can actually destroy your iman. It can destroy your family. It can destroy your entire life. So, so money is a it's a pretty serious thing in Islam. Okay? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to be people who 
are giving, right? How can you give if you don't have money? How can you give if you're broke? So financially speaking, are the majority of people financially stable and financially dependent, or is it just the minority who are financially successful? What do you think? Yeah? We always hear this term that, you know what, like the top 10 billionaires of the world control 90% of the world's wealth. Yes? So reality is the 5% successful usually. Uh, this formula also fits in with financial. Why? Because the, the, the people of finances, what are they doing differently? When everybody's spending, they're the ones who are saving. When everybody's just obsessed with consumption and buying and wasting money, they're the ones who are investing. They're the ones who are giving in charity. Okay? And so that's, those are the habits of the successful people. Whereas the majority are spending, they're getting into loans, they're you know, buying things that they don't need with money they don't have to please people they don't like. Right? Isn't that the reality? And so, and then who do we blame? Who do we blame for our failures? We blame the government, we blame the economy, we blame, you know, everything's, we blame inflation, right? Sometimes we blame Allah, this destiny, qadr. My nasib is like this, you know, meri qadri say. This is written for me to be poor. Is that justice? No, right? Shame on us for blaming Allah for our mismanagement of our money, right? And so, even in terms of relationships, right? I mean, you, the successful relationships are those where you spend time with each other. Again, this, this uh, theme of time comes here, right? Because what makes a relationship successful? When you give it time. If I keep telling my wife, if I, if I keep texting my wife, I love you, darling, sweetheart, you're amazing, I can't live without you. But I never, I never spend time with her. Is that true love? Is that going to be a healthy relationship? No, right? Because I'm giving time to something else. And so therefore, the number one sign that I love my wife is that I give her time. If you claim to love your parents, but you don't spend time with your parents, you don't really love your parents. Okay? And so, same thing with parents and children. If you claim that you love your children, listen up parents, if you claim that you love your children, but you don't spend time with them, don't expect to be from the successful people, right? Because part of the formula for success is that you spend time, right? If you want to be spiritually connected with the Quran, what do you have to give it? Your time, right? You can't, you cannot ex ex you know, expect to get closer to the Quran and really have this amazing relationship with the Quran if you don't give it time. You cannot expect to get khushur if you don't give it time. Can you get khushur if you don't give time to your salah? Is it possible? It's not possible. So you see how like time is like a recurring theme? Now coming to health also. Are majority of people healthy, living a healthy lifestyle? Do majority of men have six packs? Do majority of you know, people, are they healthy or are they getting sick? Are they going to the doctor? Are they you know, having like unhealthy lifestyles? Are majority of people eating healthy food or junk food? 
pakoras and samosas and jalebis and mechbus and biryani. What are most people doing with their bodies? Are most people eating what Allah calls in the Quran, tayyibat, pure and beneficial food? Are we eating stuff that's, that's harming us? And then when we get sick, who do we blame for our sickness? Allah. We blame Qadr. Or we blame the weather. Uh, the weather is like that. I have a cough because of the weather. Right? And so, even for our health, for our well-being, 5% of those who are disciplined, who, when it comes to making a choice between a banana and a cupcake, they would consistently choose, make the right choice. Okay? So, uh, whereas the majority follow their desires. The majority don't have that willpower. They don't have that um, understanding. They don't have the understanding. For you to be healthy, you need to spend time at the gym, right? Can you get a six-pack without giving time to your body? Is it possible? No, maybe you see a couple of ads where they tell you that wear this belt, you get a six-pack. Don't be fooled, right? I bought that once and I got ripped off. <laughs> so um, that, those, that stuff doesn't work, yeah. Billionaire, have a six-pack, have a perfect relationship with your wife, children, be religious. You know, time is not enough. Absolutely, it is. It Shala. isn't. You can't do. If you are a billionaire, you spend a lot of time at work. When you're at work all day, there's no time to cook, to do the healthy food. There's no time to go to the gym. There's no time to be with your wife, and this, you know, and your children. You have to choose, right? And read the Quran and pray yes. and. Clean your house and be like perfect and everything and cook and laundry. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. So, so hard to do everything perfectly. You can do a bit of everything, but you can't spend one day in one day do all these things. You right, know? right. So you can't call everyone a failure because they lack in the one part, you know? Yes. Maybe they don't have a six pack and maybe they're good with their wife. Mm. Good point. Great point. Um, so balance is key here, right? It's, it's about balance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls balance in the Quran al-mizan. Right? Mizan. And Allah over and over again, the Quran tells us to establish the mizan. In Surah Al-Rahman, right? وَالْأَرْضَ وَضْعَهَا لِلْأَنَامِ And he talks about al-mizan. وَأَقِيمُوا الْوَزْنَ بِالْقِسْطِ وَلَا تُخْسِرُوا الْمِزَان Don't do injustice to different roles of your life, right? That's part of the, like, the awareness that we need to have as human beings that, yes, I have time for business, but I have time for family. I need to make time for my money. I need to make time for my gym. I need to make time for my intellectual growth, reading books. Um, again, if you believe it's hard, then Allah tells you in the Quran, Allah wants ease for you. He doesn't want difficulty for you. Allah says this in the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, this, this kind of lifestyle, we're not, saying, we're not saying that we're seeking perfection. What we're saying is, at least let's do justice. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll share with you something that I, I usually teach in our discovery or vision workshop, right? In every role, there's different levels of, let's say like a score, right? So. There's, at the middle is what's known as justice, like the minimum performance that you need to do to pass, okay? Anything below that is injustice. Anything above that, if you aim higher, if you aim for like the A and the A plus, that's excellence. So yes, I agree with you, sister. It's 
unrealistic for us to be excellent in everything. And that is what the Prophet's life would have probably been like. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He tells us about the Prophet that his character was of like something that's unprecedented. He was able to manage all those roles and excel in every single one of them. But for us, what I'm trying to say is to pass a lot. There is a difference between passing and excelling. This surah is not about excelling. It's not about excellence. It's about passing. Allah is highlighting the fact that all human beings are losers, which means what's the opposite of loss? What's the opposite of loss? What's the opposite of failure? Actually, it's passing, right? The opposite of failure is passing. So this surah is about passing. It's not about the A+. Okay, you want to read about the A+, then we'll go to, inshallah, one day, Surah Al-Mu'minun and talk about who the believers are, right? That's a different game altogether. So this surah is about doing the bare minimum in all these different roles to pass, okay? I hope that clarifies a bit, okay? And um, again, Allah tells us that يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرَ Allah wants ease for us. If we believe that this is difficult, then guess what? Is it going to be difficult? Yes. Right? Allah subhanahu says in the hadith Qudsi, Ana abdi bi. I am whatever my slave thinks of me. It's all in your mind, right? If your mindset, if you believe something is difficult, then guess what? It's going to be difficult. If you believe that something's easy, then Allah will make it easy for you. So, you know, I know many examples of people who are living this balanced life. And alhamdulillah, it is possible. And Allah, like, doesn't, is not expecting us to be superwoman and superman, right? He knows our flaws. He knows our weaknesses. And yes, at, at times we can fall. At times we can fail. But the idea is to get back on track, right? The idea is to be aware of your failure and then get back, right? So, it's, so yes, this is not like an idealistic uh, surah. It's about us being conscious of this reality that if we are, are not aware, if we're not alert about our life and about time and how we spend our time, then we are at risk of failure. If we fall into what's known as ghafla, this heedlessness, this forgetfulness, where you just get you know, obsessed in entertainment and you know, just watching TV and you know, buying stuff and eating junk food and spending time with friends and neglecting family and wasting money and not saving and investing, that's where the imbalance happens. So um, our lifestyle is basically a result of our actions which come from our attitude and our philosophy of life. Okay? So this surah is about what our philosophy of life should be. It's actually changing our philosophy. And so you want to change your actions. What do you need to change? The mindset, right? You need to change your attitude towards life. And every single, every single thing you do in life Every single choice you make. Because what is life? Life is all about choices. And, and look at this really easy comparison, right? The 5% successful, what makes them different from the failures? The 5% who are passing, they are doing things that are easy to do. But they're doing it with discipline. They're doing it with consistency. They're making the right choices on a consistent basis. So Allah is not asking much from us. He's just, you know... Is asking us to pray five times a day. Is that too much to ask? Just do it regularly. 
Just read one page of Quran with translation before you sleep, instead of checking your Facebook before you sleep. Just, you know, read one bedtime story for your kids rather than watching the news. Is that too much to ask? It's easy to do. So everything in life is easy to do and easy not to do also, right? It's very easy to watch TV. It's easy to read a bedtime story for your kids. It's easy for you to eat a banana. It's easy for you to eat a chocolate bar. It's easy for you to take your wife on a candlelight dinner and it's easy for you to hang out with your friends. It's easy for you to you know, spend money and it's easy for you to give a sadaqah or invest. Everything is easy, right? But it's a choice we make over a long period of time. So notice the successful people, they're doing easy things consistently over a long period of time. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ called um, the best of all deeds to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can you imagine this? Allah said that the most beautiful deeds to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those that are consistent even if they are tiny, even if they're small. So Allah is not asking for us to do big things that are you know, uh, broken, that are inconsistent. He wants us to do small things consistently over a long period of time. And you know, you guys know this from even dieting and eating healthy food, right? It's, you won't lose all your weight in one month. It's going to take time. And it's no coincidence that Allah uses the word patience at this surah, right? One of the qualities of the believers is that they are people of patience. Why? Because success, to, to live that kind of life and to see that those results requires patience. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't see those results overnight. Whereas the failures, what are they doing? They're doing things, they're making the wrong choices consistently. Errors, simple errors in judgment made over a long period of time. Choosing to smoke rather than drinking water. Simple error in judgment. But if you choose to do it over a long period of time, you are bound to fail in terms of your body. You're, you're going to get some sort of disease in your body, right? It's going to happen. And that is what al-haq is actually. When Allah talks about وَتَوَاصَوْ bilhaq, you guys know what haq means? Haq is usually translated as truth. But haq actually means that you are deserving it. Yastahaq means you deserve it. It's something that is bound to happen. It's incumbent upon you to have this as a result of your actions, as a re result of your choices. So if you, if you continuously smoke, you know, a pack a day for the next 20, 30 years, the haq on you is that you will get lung cancer and die. That's haq. If you consistently spend, 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 spend and get into loans and waste money and, you know, just live that materialistic life without thinking about the future, without planning, without learning about investing, it's haq upon you to get broke and be financially bankrupt. That's haq. And who was, who was the reason behind that haq? Ourselves, right? We, it's because of our own wrong choices. If you spend quality time with your wife, with your kids, and you give them their time, it's haq that you will have a happy life. But if you neglect your children, if you never spend time with your kids, if you're busy with your business and you're doing that imbalance, right? It is haq that your relationship will be affected. It is haq that maybe your children will go off track. If you've never given time to your children to do terbiyah to them, it is haq that they will go off track. 
So you see how haq is also like so connected with the surah, right? All of our losses is because of haq that we have deserved. And let's do like an experiment, right? So I want you to raise the hand that you don't write with. All of you, raise the hand that you do not write with, up high up, okay? I want you to take the other hand and pinch yourself and continuously do it. Hard, right? Hard. Continuously do it, and I want you to keep pressing hard. And it's got a pain, right? So press harder. Continuously pain. It's got to be painful. Keep pressing. Keep pressing. Is it hurting? Now let's go. What caused the pain to stop? You stop pinching, right? So remember this lesson for life, my dear brothers and sisters. Every single pain and suffering that you go through in life is because you are doing something that's causing it. And the way out of that pain is when you release. Now the beauty of this is one of you might ask this question, so where do we, how do we know what to do to stop it? Where do we get this information from? Because it's about information, right? It's about information. Like the other day, my, wife, uh, my mother, we were in the park and I was using my flashlight. She asked me, does my phone have a flashlight too? I told her, yeah, mom. And I, I showed her, I opened the phone and I showed her how easy it is. And she was like, wow, I never knew that I could do this. She thought that she didn't have a flashlight, but when I told her how to use it, now she can actually. So now if she presses on the flashlight button, what's going to happen? What's the haq that's going to happen? A light will flash, right? It's haq for the light to flash because you command it to by touching it, right? But if she never knew that information, would she be able to bring that haq in her life of that flashlight to open up? No, right? So it's all about information. Now the question is, where do we get information from? And this is another very important point. All of our losses in life, all of our pains and suffering is due to two things. Misinformation and missing information. Either information that you don't have or information that you have that is wrong. Mis misinformation, misconceptions. And so where do we go to seek the real it's called the real commands, let's say, right? The real commands that will lift the pain from our lives. Where do we go to? We go to Al-Kitab Al-Haqq, which is the Qur'an. So another name of the Qur'an is Al-Haqq, right? It is the book of all the laws of Haqq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through this book, this manual has given us the formulas or the rules and laws for everything in life. Everything in life. You want success spiritually, this book will have the laws of that success. You follow those laws, you will get success. You don't follow, and what is shaitan's game by the way? Shaitan's real game is to make us unaware of those laws. Make us fall into either misinformation or have missing information basically, right? Ignorance. Comes back to that idea that the majority don't know. The majority have missing information. You see how it's, it's all like connected? 
So for us to be spiritually successful, we got to go back to the Quran and see what will make me spiritually successful. If you do it, the pain will go away. You want to you wanna have healthy relationships? Go back to the Quran. Look at the relationships of the Quran. Look at how Luqman spent time with his kid. Look at how Ibrahim spent time with Ismail. Look at how Musa, Musa spent time with his mother and his sister. Look at Harun and Musa's brotherly relationship. If you want to know how to live a successful brotherly life. You want financial success? The Quran. Now you guys might, like some of you might be skeptical. Come on. Man. The Quran for finances? Yes. This book is guidance for everything in our life. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us that, you know, Aha ma anzalna alayka al-Qur'ana li tashqa. Aha, we have not sent the Qur'an down to you to make your life miserable. We have not sent the Qur'an down to you to make your life full of suffering and pain. Which means what? The Qur'an is the source of all our happiness and peace and success. Allah tells us in the Qur'an what kind of attitude we should have towards spending and saving and giving and investing. He talks about all of this in the Qur'an. He talks about the fact that you know, we need to have a healthy lifestyle. Don't do israf in food. Don't eat too, more than you can handle. Don't eat you know, filthy stuff and stuff that's going to you know, corrupt your body. Eat tayyib food. He tells us. So the, the Qur'an is like a book of life. It's like that manual with all the rules and all the laws that if we apply in our lives, we will get the results. And if you are going through pain and suffering in any of these aspects of life, just like that pain, it's never going to go away. You can make dua from now until the Day of Judgment. It's not going to go away. Because you're not, you're not reading, you're not understanding what, what is causing the pain. Just discover what's causing the pain, change it and it's going to go away. That's part of the, like, the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He has given us an exit from any, any pain, any suffering. Any difficulty you fall into, there is a way out. And, you know, unfortunately what... Many people have this misunderstanding of the word patience. Which, again, might sound controversial, right? You're going through difficulty, right? You're pinching yourself, I, I, pain, pain. And someone's telling you, it's okay, be patient. Be patient. It's going to go away, inshallah. Just make dua, read istighfar, it's going to go away. But pain, 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 pain. Is, is someone telling you to be patient enough for the pain to go away? Tell me. If I keep pressing this and you tell me to be patient from now until tomorrow, is this pain going to go away? When is it going to go away? When I stop what's causing the pain. So even our understanding of sabr is, is a bit messed up, right? We... We sometimes use sabr to just have temporary relief, like painkillers, right? Temporary relief, but it comes back. And then the other problem is we, we blame destiny. You're having pain, and you know, you're complaining, oh, it hurts, it's pain, but it's okay, it's my destiny. Allah wants me to go through this pain, it's okay. It's okay, inshallah in Jannah, this pain will go away. So you're blaming destiny for the pain and suffering in your life. Does Allah want you to go through this pain? Answer me. No, right? Allah just wants you to figure out what's causing the pain and stop it.
And that is what guidance is all about, right? That is what Quran is about. It's about guidance for us to live a happy, balanced, successful life where everything is in harmony, right? It is possible. Am I making sense? Right? So this surah is about changing that mindset, that philosophy. Do I want to make the right choices consistently over a long period of time or do I want to follow the crowd and make the wrong choices? And that's what willpower is about, right? What is willpower? Willpower is patience, isn't it? Willpower is patience. Now we come to the really interesting part, okay? The question that why is it that the majority fall in the lower curve? Why is it that the majority are constantly making the wrong judgments made over a long period of time? It's because this concept of pleasure and pain. People who choose the, the failure path, they choose it because it seems to give them temporary pleasure. And they don't see the long-term pain. Someone who has chocolate every day, it's temporary pleasure. He's, he's maybe seeing a lot of TV advertisements, right? On how amazing chocolate is. Or he's, you know, seeing a lot of ads about shopping, shopping, shopping. So that shopping gives you temporary pleasure. But what does he not see? The long-term pain that's coming, right? If you keep shopping, shopping irresponsibly, not managing your, your money, eventually you feel the pain of bankruptcy. If you keep eating stuff that makes you happy temporarily, eventually you're going to have obesity. Eventually you're going to have high blood pressure, sugar, diabetes, right? Which is many of our elderlies, they go through that. How many of you know el old people in your family who either have diabetes, cholesterol, sugar, or some sort of like medical ailment? All of us, right? Okay. We all know, we all have that. So why is it that we go through, most people go through that path? It's because of that pleasure. That's what shaitan sells. He sells you temporary pleasure. People who, um, you know, intellectually, they aren't interested in developing themselves intellectually. They're not interested in reading books. They're not interested in attending workshops. They're not interested in coming to sessions like this to, you know, give some food for their minds and their, their souls, right? Such people, they would rather have the pleasure of watching TV. They would rather have the pleasure of entertainment. They would rather have the pleasure of just surfing Facebook and YouTube. And I'm not saying that entertainment and all of that stuff is haram. What I'm saying is, what are the priorities? Because what is time management about, by the way? Time management is basically about priorities. In fact, there is no such thing as time management. You cannot manage time. All of us have equal number of hours in a day, right? Every single one of us has 24 hours in a day. So we cannot really manage time. All we can do is manage our priorities. And when we get our priorities right, when we manage our priorities right, that's where we get the balance. What gets us into this failure mode is when we mess up our priorities, okay? And that is what shaitan wants us to get through. What about the successful people? They are the ones who are willing to go through that temporary pain in the beginning for the long-term pleasure. Is there temporary pain when you start eating healthy food? Yeah? Salads can be boring. It can be antisocial to, you know, eat fruits and salad 
and drink water when everybody's ordering a Coke and a burger and fries, right, and a pizza. It can cause a bit of pain. It can cause a bit of pain when you need to say no to your friends because you need to spend time with kids in the beginning. It could be painful in the beginning just when you start reading a book and, you know, you're getting those alerts from your Facebook and from your Snapchat and WhatsApp. It's tempting to go to the social media entertainment, but reading a book can sometimes be painful in the beginning. Once you get into the habit, even, even Quran, right? Let's be honest. For many people, the Quran, reading it regularly, there is a pain in it. Now the question is, why is there a pain? Is there supposed to be pain? So why is there pain? I thought this was the easy path. I thought Allah wanted ease for us. I thought Allah wanted us to, you know, easily get on the straight path. So this is where basically our fitra got messed up. So all of us, when we were born, we were born what's known as al-fitra, this innocent, pure being. And Allah tells us in the Quran that very interesting point. Allah has made Iman beautiful and decorated in our hearts. And And Allah has made all sorts of sin, all sorts of shamelessness, all sorts of things that are bad. He has made it disgusting for us. So that's like the, the software that we came with in this world. Where all good is beautiful to us, all bad is ugly to us. Right? And that's out of Allah's mercy. Now what happens as we grow older? The software gets corrupted. Shaitan plays this game and he switches it for us. That's what deception is, right? He makes what's beautiful ugly or difficult or unattractive and he makes what's ugly packaged in a beautiful way. And that's what marketing is all about. That's what entertainment is all about. The, the porn industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Something filthy and ugly that he has beautified. Right or no? Whereas, you look at even the movies that come out in a year. How many of them are pure and good versus shameless and filthy? Right? What sells more? If we announce like a, a concert here tonight in this, in this venue, how many people will show up? Right? Yeah, but Quran Majlis, okay, 20, 30, 40 people. So, you know, good has become unattractive and ugly has become beautiful. That's the game of shaitan, right? And so let's not blame Islam for, and let's not blame Allah for making this path ugly. We have formatted ourselves this way, right? So what's the action we need to take now? It's, you know how like when you have virus in your software, you need to put the antivirus CD in and cleanse. We need to do cleansing. We need to go back to our original format. We need to format ourselves actually. And what is the best way of cleansing? It is al-haq, it is the, the Quran. The Quran is the ultimate purification for our hearts and our minds, right? The more connected we come with the Quran, the more pure our mind becomes, the more clarity we have in our thoughts, and the more pure our actions become.
because our hearts become cleansed. And so in reality, the upper path of success is supposed to be pleasure, pleasure. Pleasure short-term, pleasure long-term. And the lower path is supposed to be pain, pain. But shaitan has reversed it. And one of the biggest games of shaitan is hiding the consequences. He only shows you the short-term pain and the short-term pleasure. And that's because of the instant generation we're in, right? Instagram, instant messaging, instant food. Whereas Allah tells us sabr, right? Patience. So anything that's instant, you want instant money, you go to the casino. Either you get instant money or you get instant bankruptcy. Right? You want to fail in your business, get instant loans and blow that money away. Whereas a proper business takes time, you start it up with small capital, you grow it, you test it, things work, things don't work, you try different things, different strategies. It takes time, five, ten years until you click. People who win like lotteries, like I was reading some statistic, like 85% of people who win lotteries, like they lose the entire money in six months and they fall into depression again. Okay, so this instant idea of instant knowledge, instant uh, success, this is not part of the sunnah of success, right? Success requires sabr, it requires enjoying the journey itself. And so this, you know, connects me to the Sirat al-Mustaqeem that we ask Allah for every time in Fatiha, right? 17 times every day. We're asking Allah, ihdina Sirat al-Mustaqeem, right? One of the beautiful meanings of Mustaqeem is upward. Something that makes you upright. And so you look at this, this chart here, right? That the upper chart pointing upwards is actually explaining to us what amilu salihat means. So we explained sabr, we explained haqq a bit. Now let's get into, we're going in reverse order. Now let's talk about amilu salihat. What is amilu salihat? Because that's the exception, right? What were the exceptions? Just, just, just to refresh to see if you guys are awake. Amanu, amilu salihat. Very good. So Amilu Salihat Salihat means to fix something. Something is corrupted, something is bad, something is ugly, you fix it, you clean it up, you purify it. And so that applies to anything that you do to improve. Do we all need to improve in different areas of our life? Do we all need improvement, spiritually speaking? Yes? Do we all need improvement in terms of our relationships with our spouses and our children and our siblings? Do we all need improvement financially? Do we all need improvement health-wise? Do we all need improvement intellectually? Yes. And so, وَعَمِلُ salihat is that process of constantly improving in every aspect of your life. Constantly purifying your heart with forgiveness, with love, with care, with mercy. Constantly, you know, developing your thought and your mind and your awareness and your consciousness. Constantly improving your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, getting closer to Him, with doing good deeds, with, you know, giving, with charity, with, you know, spreading love and, you know, forgiveness around you. Just getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, improving your salah, improving your relationship with the Qur'an, Every aspect of our life, this, this statement, Amilu Salihat, one, and by the way, Allah is not interested in results. This is another beauty of this, this uh, statement. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is never interested in our results. All He wants us is to get into the amal salih. Just get busy improving yourself. And different people have different paces, right? Some people improve drastically, some people improve with time, some people take baby steps. Allah is not interested in speed. Just get busy improving yourself. Just get busy in this idea of self-development. Improving yourself, self-improvement. Because, you know, the one who says, I don't need to improve, this is a sign of what? Ego. I don't need to come and learn in this class. I already know Surat Al-Asr. I studied it 10 years ago. It's easy. I don't need to improve my relationship. Alhamdulillah, it's okay. We're doing all right. I don't need to improve my relationship with my kids. It's too late. My salah is okay. I don't need to improve my khushu'ah. I don't need to attend a workshop to learn how to improve my marriage. We're doing all right. I don't need to improve my financial situation. It's okay, I'll, I'll like, settle for what I have and inshallah in Jannah I will get like, the palace and the Hur al-Ain. Right, so you become um, lazy, you become complacent, you have no hope, and that is not the life of a believer, right? And this brings us to Amanu now. What's beautiful about this sequence is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first described Iman that leads to Amal al-Salih. And this is something that you'll see in the Quran repeated over and over and over again. Allah keeps describing Ladina Amanu wa Amilu Salihat. Amanu wa Amilu Salihat. It's like comes in pairs in the Quran, right? Why does Salihat come after Iman? It's as if Allah is teaching us that one of the fruits of real Iman is Amal Salih. Is that this attitude that you need to fix yourself. If you don't have the attitude of fixing yourself, guess what? Do you have real Iman? You don't. Because it comes with it. It's a pair. You can't claim to have Iman if, you don't, if you're not interested in, in fixing yourself and your surroundings. And by the way, Amal Salih doesn't mean just fixing yourself. Yes, that's a priority, but who else do you need to fix? Your surroundings, right? Fix your affairs with your children, with your parents, and with your spouses. And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that, you know, this is a priority. Protect yourself and your family from the fire. So that's the priority. If every home focuses on self-development and developing the family structure, that will be sufficient for a beautiful community to come up. And... Iman here, what's interesting about الَّذِينَ amanu, that's the exception, right? إِلَّا الَّذِينَ amanu. The question here is, why didn't Allah specify believe in what? Because amanu means accept those who believe and do righteous deeds. Believe in what? Isn't that a qu valid question? Believe in what? Why didn't Allah say accept those who believe in Allah? Why did he keep it blank? Because another way to understand this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just swore by time that the human being is in a state of loss. And then he says, except for those who believe. A beautiful way to understand this is the successful are those who believe what Allah just said. Allah just swore that human beings mostly are going to be in a state of loss. If we truly believe that, 
Will our actions change? Will our attitude towards life change? Will our, will our mindset change? Will our, will our philosophy of life change? But do most people believe that? Most people don't believe that. Therefore, no change happens in their lifestyle. Because most believe, people don't even believe that first statement, no change happens in the choices they make in life. Their priorities are still the same. If we truly believe that in the statement that Allah just made, then our priorities will change from tonight, from today. We'll all be thinking about what's important, what's not important. And I'll share with you like a, a good exercise to do at night before you sleep is imagine that you, you know, uh, got like a heads up that you're going to be dying in three months. Just imagine. If you were, so today's 30th of May, right? Or 30th of April. So May, June, July. July 30th, uh, July 30th. Are there 30 days in July? They are, right? Yeah, 31? Okay. So July 30th is the day you die. Imagine. Get out a piece of paper and a pen and start writing down how your life would change. What are the things you would start doing differently? What are the things that you would stop doing if you were to live for the next three months only, if you knew when you would die? That's a great exercise for you to kind of um, get your priorities right. Okay? It's a, it's a healthy exercise. So this was Surah Al-Asr. Pretty amazing surah. And just to like wrap it up, what, is, what are the main qualities of the successful? These are people who are responsible, people who are values-driven, and people who are disciplined. Because to maintain that consistency of making the right choices, you need that discipline, right? And values means you know what your priorities are. You are values-driven, not shahwa-driven. What what's the opposite of values? Shahwat or desires, temptations. If you're shahwa-driven, then you're going to be in the bottom half. If you're values-driven, you'll do what's right. You'll not eat something because it tastes good. You'll eat something because it's beneficial for you. That's what values means. Yeah? You don't watch something that's going to arise your temptations. You watch something that benefits your mind, that makes like a positive difference in your mind. Right? So that's what values-driven means. And responsibility. Responsibility for your own actions, that idea of haq, right? I am responsible for removing this pain from my life. Nobody else's. And, and thank you Allah for giving me the ability to do that. Thank you Allah for giving me the al-kitab al-haq, right? This book that has the solutions to all our problems. Whereas the, the, loser, the losers or the failures, they're neglectful, they're, they're blaming everybody else but themselves, and they feel entitled to whatever they do. And that is really the majority of humanity. So this was Surah Al-Asr. And you know how like in, uh, when you're watching a DVD and you press forward, right, there's... Uh, when you press skip, first, what comes on the top right corner, Isa? Times two, right? Yeah? Multiplied by two. And then you press it again, what happens? Multiplied by four, then multiplied by eight. And what happens as you press forward? 
the movie skips faster and faster, right? Isn't that the reality of our life also? Right? Even our lives, like when you're young, like one year seems like ages. But then the older you get, the shorter the years get. Okay? So Allah is highlighting that also in the structure of this surah. It starts off with one word, then four words, and then eight words, right? SubhanAllah. It's as if that forward is just multiplying, 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 right? Reminding you of the fact that time is going by. Asr, Allah swore by it. That insan is in a state of loss. And the exception is for those who do all four. By the way, if you just, just do two, of, two out of four, is that enough? Is that enough? Two out of four. If you have iman and amal, but you don't use this concept of haq to remove pain from your life. You don't have patience. Is two out of four good enough? So, you know the wow here? That wow in the Arabic language represents a plus sign. So all four are needed. And according to some Ulama also, since the Quran constantly puts Iman and Amal Salih as pairs, okay, Allah is doing the same here, but what He's doing further is He's highlighting two A'mal Saliha that are constantly neglected. So Tawasib al Haq and Tawasib al Sabr can also be kind of like part of Amal Salih. But why has Allah highlighted them in this surah? Because these are the top two that are usually. Neglected. Okay. And I'll just end with this another beautiful thing that in another place in the Quran Allah says, Sabr and Marhama. Here haq and sabr, there sabr and marhama. Marhama means mercy and love and care. So another interpretation here is that haq is actually the right of others to be treated with mercy, love, and care. So part of success is you giving the right to others of treating them with respect, with honor, with love, with care, and with mercy and forgiveness. And until we become people of mercy, love, care, and forgiveness, then we will be people of loss. Because the Prophet ﷺ told us that none of us is a believer until we love for our brother what we love for ourselves. Right or no? None of us is a believer this applies to sisters, until you love for your sister what you love for yourself. And here brother and sister is not just brother and sister in blood relations, it's brother and sister not only in Islam, brother and sisters in humanity. So most human beings are in a state of loss except for those who have true Iman. And what's a sign of true Iman? That they love for others what they love for themselves. They're not greedy, they're not selfish, and they don't have hate and anger in their heart. They have, all they have is love care, mercy, and forgiveness for others. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those who have iman and amal salih and tawasib al-haqq and tawasib al-sabr. And with that, we conclude this beautiful surah. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanakallah bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nasakhfirak an tubu ilayk. Any questions before we close? Comments? Yeah? Why did uh, God uh, bless him by al-asal and we can't use it? Uh, 
What do you mean you can't use it? Um, so why did Allah use Asr? Were you here in the beginning? Of, okay, so I explained that Asr has different meanings, right? Asr means time. Uh, you mean Wallahi, you mean? Uh, because it adds beauty to the surah, right? The, this idea of Asr is connected with the, what's being talked about in the surah, right? So it's connected. So when Allah says, when Najm, in the surah uh, you know, of a Najm, it's connected to the surah, right? There's a purpose for choosing Najm. When he says Shams, he swears by Shams, it's connected to the surah, right? So there's some wisdom behind that. And I try to highlight some of the wisdom of choosing Al-Asr. Um, as for us, in terms of swearing, so swearing is not recommended for us because, you know, um, we need to be honest and truthful by default, right? We shouldn't need to swear to prove that we are saying the truth. And uh, Allah talks about Al-Hallaf, Al-Hallafin The one who constantly swears. Why? Because someone who constantly swears, is, he's swearing because he's Usually, and he's seen as a liar, right? So he has to swear to prove his truthfulness, right? So, but, uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I have no knowledge of that. And, um, but I do know that uh, it's not recommended to swear even by Allah, you know, like, I mean, unless you're like, you're testifying for like a murder in the courtroom and, you know, um, because sometimes we end up saying things that we regret, right? And Allah calls this Al-Ayman, big section in Baqarah about this, Yameen, right? I swear I'll never talk to you again. And then you regret, oh man, why did I do that? I swear I'll never eat your food again. So bad. And then you regret it, right? So sometimes we need to be careful of, of using that swear, that oath. Anything else? All right. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum. Rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.